Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, we're going to do a departure from here, but there's a reason I want to read these particular scriptures. Um, If you're in Ephesians 4, let's look at verses 7 through 16. Paul is saying to the Ephesians, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and then he gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean, but also he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. And he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles. Let me just um, stop, and what the Lord is talking about here is when he died and spent three days um, in what was called Abraham's bosom. Remember the thief on the cross when he died? The Lord said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Well, he didn't go to heaven. He went to two chambers. One was where the rich man died and went to hell still very conscious, very aware of what, who he was, and all of a sudden his main concern was his family because he realized he's not ever going to be able to get out of this situation. On the other side, he had Abraham's bosom, and that's where Lazarus went, and that's where the thief on the cross went. So when the Lord said, today you're going to be with me in paradise, he's actually referring to Abraham's bosom, and I believe that um, that chamber was emptied because of taking notes Matthew 27 verse 52 tells us that um, when Jesus first arose he was the first resurrection three days later it said many of the graves were opened and people came out and appeared to other people and I believe the graves that were opened that day was the emptying of Abraham's bosom and so The Lord says, it's expedient that I leave. Because if I don't leave, I won't be able to send the Comforter or the Holy Spirit. So what it refers to here, that he gave gifts to men. It is a reference to the Holy Spirit being sent down on the day of Pentecost. And uh, and it just mentions a partial list of the gifts that were given, but they were only given after... Jesus went to heaven, and then he sent the Holy Spirit back. So in verse 10, let's read that again. He who descended is also the one who ascended, far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. The list goes on, the gift of helps, um, word of knowledge, there's many gifts that aren't mentioned here. But I want to get talk particularly about the gift of pastor-teacher for the reason, for the equipping of the saints. So I've entitled this Bible study tonight, The Equipping of the Saints, um, as it pertains to current events that are unfolding extremely, exponentially, in the world today. 
and we're going to look at it from a biblical perspective. Uh, for, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statute of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be carried, um, no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. Right now we're talking about a global reset. The world has an agenda. There is an elitist group of people that have a plan, but they don't realize that they're just pawns that are being used by demonic forces to set up um, the God of the world's kingdom that the Lord is going to allow to have rule over the entire world. I'm talking about the Antichrist right now. And how this is all unfolding. Well, we know what's gonna happen. But what we haven't known is how it's gonna happen. That is until this week, in my opinion. And that's where we're going tonight. And I pretty much have to give this Bible study um, because of what I know. And then I'm going to challenge you to do your own research. And hopefully it will light a fire under us to have the same consciousness of the rich man who died. And the only thing that he could think of is his family members that weren't saved. And he did not want them to come to the place where he was. So let's finish uh, reading this. Um, Jesus in Matthew 24 said one of the the biggest signs in the last days would be false prophets and false teachers. Very few people will address from the pulpit the things that I'm going to address tonight from a biblical perspective, especially as it pertains to Ezekiel 38 and 39 and what just happened within this last week. Do I have your attention yet? (laughs) Good. But... Um, we're not to be tossed to and fro. We should know what's going to happen, why it's going to happen, and we should be able to recognize the signs. And one of the signs that Jesus said here is don't be deceived by cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive, but speak the truth in love. You may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, by which every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part of it shares, causing growth of every part um, does it share, causing growth of the body, what? For the edifying of itself in love. Everybody here has a gift, and that gift is to be used to encourage somebody else in their faith. And here's where we have our departure. I wanted to use this because I want those here and those watching live streamed to have a biblical perspective of what is unfolding very, very quickly. Now, the United States of America does not want to be a part of a global reset, um, a new currency, um, 
We want to be independent. We want to be free. We want to be free to say, yeah, I'll take the jab if, you, if I want to, but if I don't want to, I don't want you to say I have to. We live in America, and we don't want that changed. Well, that's not what the globalists have in mind. They have a one world order in mind, and um, what we're gonna talk about tonight is Russia doesn't wanna be a part of a one world order either. And everything we're hearing on the news as I speak Um, places Russia as really the bad guy in what's unfolding right now. And I don't believe that's the case. I I believe they're being provoked. And I believe Putin is being boxed into a corner. And um, I did so much research this morning, my my head is still swimming, because there's a lot of these terminologies... um, like uh, uh, the Nor- Nordad, Norad, N-O-R-D stream one and two. I really didn't know what that was until today, but it plays significantly into what's happening as we talk about Russia and the power that it holds over Europe as it pertains to supplying them with natural gas. So a lot of what our study tonight is going to be about these topics, and hopefully it'll get your curiosity enough to do your own research. So let's dive in with that. What I want to do is give another view of the Russian-Ukraine war that um, is escalating as we speak. A little background, though, on Ukraine. I did my research on this. I could have spent days just doing this, but Ukraine was the most prosperous part of Russia. Uh, One time Kiev was the main part of Russia. Um, It is uh, the heart of the Russian Orthodox Church. So what Rome would be to a Catholic, Kiev would be to a Russian. And Ukraine was a part of Russia until after um, 1991, of course, the fall of the Soviet Union. And everybody remembers that, Mr. Gorbachev, take that wall down. And it's a part of history. And um, they said, well, it's the end of communism and any problems that um, um, we're gonna have with them. Well, it was here that Ukraine um, voted for their own full independence. And it was founded on an act called the Mutual, and you can, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down, because it is a lot more in-depth than what I can give you here in the short message that I have, because I do want to play the last 20 minutes of, we played an hour of God of Wonders last week, but it's an hour and 20 minutes long. I have... 200 of them out there um, right now that you can start taking if you want to uh, tonight. Uh, and we'll have more out on Sunday. But um, again, it's independence uh, founded on an act called the, the Mutual Relations signed in Paris in 1997. And basically with it came the idea 
of um, negotiations, keep doors open between um, the NATO nations and Russia, uh, with the idea and the promise that um, NATO would not expand towards Russia because Russia naturally would want a buffer of countries because they don't want nuclear weapons at their back door. Is everybody kind of following me so far? Okay, what happened is NATO broke that. And I can't give you the exact number. I tried to get an exact number, um, but let's just say more than 10, I thought it was 17, have been joining and making its way towards um, Russia in violation of the 1997 agreement. Well, in 2014, um, there was a, a big change that was perpetrated primarily through NATO. And the change was to take the pro-Russian president in Kiev and replace him with a pro-West president that would be more favorable towards NATO. But not just the president, the whole government. So that happened in 2014. And so for the last eight years, what you're, you're not going to hear reported on, it, on any news is that um, um, we had these two countries, Luhansk and Domanesk, I'm butchering the names, but you're all familiar with the two uh, countries, state countries, is in the region of Dom, Donbass, and they went out. They don't want to be a part of Ukraine. And um, they want to do what Crimea did. Crimea was given to the Ukraine by Khrushchev, but they voted, they had their own elections, and they said no. We want to be a part of Russia. And they had their own elections. The vote came out, go back to Russia. And so that's why Russia right now, as I speak tonight, has complete control of, from Crimea all along that southern coast. Complete control, naval control. And so Luhansk and Dumesk, they did the same thing. They held their own elections. They uh, put it before the Russian parliament. The Russian parliament agreed with it. Um, nothing could be done until Putin signed it. Well, Putin signed it. And as soon as he signed it, and what you may not be aware of because you only hear that Russia is the aggressor in all this, is that for the past eight years, there has been 100,000 Ukrainian troops on these two states um, the western border. And they periodically would go in and um, bomb houses, bomb buildings, because they want to break away, and you, Ukraine is saying, no way. And now it's escalated. Why is it escalated? Because Russia, um, when that happened, that war between Ukraine and these two countries escalated even more to the point where they asked Russia to come in for help. And Russia said yes. And as a result, uh, we have 
them going into these two states and it's an escalation of that war because Ukraine doesn't want them to leave and uh, they want out. Um, Okay, I got that far. It should be noted at this point that I just mentioned that we haven't heard of this ongoing war of 100,000 troops. This is half, half of Ukraine's army is on that border. The rest of it over the last week has been completely destroyed in Ukraine. Every military installation, every air base, all of their air force, um, they have a major communications power that communicates with all of their military. It is located in a heavily residential neighborhood and not one house was destroyed, but the tower was completely destroyed and there's no communication. You've all seen pictures of all these tanks lined up 10 miles outside of, um, of Kiev. They're ready to come in. They can do it whenever they want to. And people are asking the question, why, aren't, why isn't Ukraine doing anything about it? The answer is they can't. There's no communication with their military. And all of their bases, they have no air force, military air force, that has been completely destroyed. Now in the, the, the negotiations that have taken place in, thus far, Russia has made it extremely clear. We're not interested in taking back Ukraine. We're not interested in hurting any um, population people that are there. And we're only interested in one thing, and that's replacing the president with the one who was there before, along with the parliament. That's what we want, and that's all we want. And um, Ukraine refused, and there's a lot of give and take, and I'm, I don't think um, anybody is really sure because um, if Russia wanted to, they could have taken the whole country in less, less than a week if they wanted to. They have, they have the power to do that very, very easily. I mentioned on Sunday that um, they're starting to move intercontinental ballistic nuclear missiles by rail uh, on the back of trucks. And then they have... Um, the, the supersonic ones that can do a speed of Mach 8. That's like 7,000 miles an hour. And they can easily reach every NATO capital city in Europe. And so um, things could change between now and Sunday very, very easily with what's happening right now. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of what I learned today um, I mentioned they destroyed um, what I didn't mention yet is that they've turned off the natural gas to Ukraine the main pipeline from Russia to Europe Europe has no natural gas they're completely dependent right now on Russia and the main pipeline goes right through Ukraine and they've cut that part of that off, and Ukraine has roughly 7% or a two-week supply. And we're talking about, we're in the middle of winter right now. So 
Um, that's putting a lot of pressure on them. All of us have seen uh, the heart-wrenching pictures of, of um, single mothers and bomb shelters with their babies. Uh, the mandatory draft of if you're 18 to 60, you've been drafted into the Ukrainian army. Um, I don't know if Putin saw that coming or not because some are saying um, uh, this isn't working out exactly how Putin had planned it. Well, I don't know, one way or the other. I really don't. There's a lot of variables here. He could be very crafty and have planned this all out all along. Um, Having said that, um, he can do the same to NATO countries in Europe. He can turn off the natural gas supply to the major cities in Europe. Now, I learned today, and I had to do some research um, on um, Nordad Stream 1 and 2. Okay, let me explain what that is, because I didn't really know until my research on it today. There are new pipelines, big enough for a man to stand in. And um, it's complete from Russia to Germany. This new one does not go through Ukraine. There's two of them, two pipelines. One's in the north, and one's in the south. And what we're trying to confirm right now, and there's stories on both sides, that um, they declared bankruptcy as of today. They're denying it, but other sources are saying, no, it's absolutely true. The pipeline is not finished. It's, it goes as far as Germany. And then there's the one in the north. And these are completely de- dependent. And they could literally close down Europe by closing down this natural gas line. Russia supplies, has 10% of the natural gas and oil resources in the entire world. Even we import um, natural gas from Russia. Do you know why? Because our government, they're saying, no, 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 we need to develop wind towers uh, on the East Coast, and uh, and um, Trump wanted to reopen a pipeline, you know, that goes to uh, um, up to Alaska and so forth. Trump wanted to reopen it. Biden closes it down. I found out today that in Texas, the price of a barrel of gas is up to a dollar six a barrel, and you could expect gas prices to be six or seven dollars by the middle of this summer. That's where this is headed. But I bring it up only to stress the point of how much power Russia really is having. But we said, well, we'll just throw all these sanctions on Russia and bring them to their knees. Well, that backlashed in Europe because the euro is in a free fall because of all the sanctions. It had repercussions that uh, Europe did not see coming, and now the euro is could actually implode because of the sanctions that they're putting on Russia. I might also mention that Russia has bomb facilities and shelters all across Russia that could hold 40 million people. We don't. 
Um, I'm getting sidetracked here, and I can't. I can't. Okay, with with, uh, um, with that, there's really no competition for Russia. And this is where I want to give the biblical perspective. Okay? I want to talk a little bit about Israel's offshore Leviathan gas field in the eastern Mediterranean Sea and show the significant discovery in order to meet Europe's rising gas and energy needs. Up till now, it's only been Russia. Now, let me just read a a paragraph of a little bit of my research today. Um, The Leviathan gas field output will end Israel's energy shortages since Israel has been struggling with the lack of gas since the Arab gas pipeline got closed in 2011. Even though discovery of these gas fields meet energy needs of Israel, it seems that it would also provide a fund to Israel's economic. However, the pipeline route should be planned well in order to transmit the gas to, guess where? Europe. It is estimated that the Leviathan gas field houses approximately 750 billion cubic meters of natural gas besides oil capacity under the natural gas um, seam in the eastern Mediterranean Sea. The announced offshore capacity is highly encouraging to Israel, which means that the state would reduce its energy dependency and even export gas to Europe eventually. The pipeline's already being made. Contracts are already signed with Israel when it's completed. Today, Europe has limited options for funding natural gas supplies from outside of Russia, and considering that Russia's natural gas cuts off uh, due to the the Russian-Ukrainian crisis, and starts to change its natural gas policies by seeking alternative routes to Russian gas pipeline. Okay, where is this headed? No competition. They got a monopoly on this. But all of a sudden, there's a problem. Here, Israel discovers one of the largest natural gas reserves in the entire world, and is already signing contracts with European people. Now, if you're Putin, what are you thinking? Well, they got their, Assad has given him his own military airstrip. C-130s have been flying in on a daily basis. And here's the kicker, and here's a biblical perspective. And it blows my mind. And that is, out of the clear blue, saying what Ukraine did to these two breakaway states is what Israel did to Syria. Well, what did Israel do to Syria? Well, they took the Golan Heights away from Syria, and now it's part of Israel. Well, first of all, that's not true. But they're coming out right now and using that, and they're saying the Golan Heights belong to Syria, and we want them back. Are you following the implications here? If you can't, turn with me to Ezekiel 38, because I want to be able to write. I want to get your curiosity, but I want you to see... Uh, the intentions that we have here. 
And I'm just gonna look at a couple of verses, 13 through 16. First of all, the Lord is against Russia. And it says so in the first verse. But picking it up in verse 13, uh, this talks about the war that's going to happen. But I want you to notice what Saudi Arabia says. Sheba and Dedan are still cities in Saudi Arabia today. And the merchants of Tarshish um, and the young lions will say to you, have you come to take a plunder? Have you come to gather an army to take booty? To take away silver, gold, to take away a livestock and goods, to take great plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, uh, thus says the Lord God of, of that day when my people Israel dwell safely and you know it. Well, they do right now. Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many horses with you, all of them riding horses, a great company and a mighty armor. You will come up against my people like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days. In other words, they have to be regathered for this to take place. And I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Uh, What is being stated here, um, I think the real reason that Russia comes in is not necessarily anything that Israel is manufacturing. The diamond industry comes out of Israel. They could be interested in that too. But I think the main thing is the Leviathan natural gas reserves. Get rid of the competition. And that's what I mean when when it talks about to take a plunder. This is really Russia's only competition. If NATO doesn't back down with its wanting to bring Ukraine into NATO, this is what he said. The consequences would be that of something the world has never seen before. Yes, we're talking World War. World War III. Now what I'm about to quote to you is from 6.18 a.m. today. March 2nd, 2022. I quote, At 6.18 a.m. 3.222, Russian foreign ministers Sergei Verro, I'm butchering the Russian, warned World War III would be a nuclear war. That is a quote and an unquote. If we go to war, and um, that's as, as of today. The UK sanctions on Russia have backfired. I told you about the euro. And... Um, Um, we talked about the bankruptcy of these two major pipelines. All all of this, I think, is to provoke Russia to war. Now, what I'm going to read is something that, and I'll close it up with this, is something that Gary Kaw wrote about a couple days before the war broke out. I read this on Sunday, but he has a very good perspective on this. So let me read it. As of today, it appears like Russia will invade Ukraine. In my opinion, the West is provoking Putin into taking action. 
our intelligent agencies know which buttons to push in order to get Putin to react. They have been pushing all, all of them. Uh, talk of making Ukraine a NATO member ally may be the final straw. Imagine Russia announcing that Canada is joining a Russian alliance against the United States. How would the United States response? Yes, the U.S. and some of its NATO allies have placed Russia in a similar position. Knowing full well that the Russian uh, doctrine ever since Hitler Nazis invasion, which killed millions of Russian people, have uh, been to keep a line of defense or a buffer zone of friendly countries around its perimeter so that Russia could never again be overtaken. By pulling Ukraine towards NATO, the Biden administration, I believe, is intentionally drawing Russia into a conflict. We must pray that Putin doesn't take the bait and that that he will back down. Well, we know that didn't happen. But the consensus is Putin will never allow NATO to become a, a military ally of the West or NATO. And this is not what you're being told on the news. Russia is the aggressor. And actually, I think it's um, uh, provocation uh, to bring about the global reset and a one-world government that Russia does not want to be a part of, and I don't want to be a part of it. And they're just making their stand. So why are the U.S. and NATO provoking this war at this time? Answer, the globalists have lost momentum as people are now quickly waking up to the fraudulent COVID pandemic and the uh, broader global reset agenda. In short, globalists need another crisis, a crisis they can use to um, perpetuate the next false narrative, a crisis they desperately need in order to force us into their plan, one world government financial system. Well, biblical perspective. The Bible says there's going to be one. And we've been preaching it for 40 years here. And now, we're watching it unfold. I believe right before our eyes, how it's going to happen. If Russia moves against Ukraine, it has. The West will impose strict sanctions against Russia. We have. This could lead to a cyber attack against U.S. institutions and vital resources, either by Russia and possibly China, or by our own intelligence agency run by globalists. In other words, a false flag. I was talking to Jerry today about um, these truckers are on their way to um, um, Washington. And, um, um, you know, if they wanted to um, put up a a false red flag, then just put um, a nuke in one of those... um, trailers and all of a sudden you got a a nuclear um, explosion outside of Washington DC and that's a possibility who could conveniently blame such an attack on Russia such an attack would almost certainly trigger a financial collapse and a lead to martial law here and in the US and Kiev is already under martial law at this point all bets are off anything could happen Uh, Politically conservative Christians, Jews, and other patriots would be targeted in a form of Marxist socialism would be imposed. Think it can't happen? Look at Canada.
martial law right now. Now is the time for all freedom-loving Americans to take a stand and make as much noise as possible. Uh, My tactic in doing this is um, handing out God of Wonders and keeping the main thing the main thing, and that's about people who aren't saved. But what is getting people's attention is they want to know what's going on right now. From my vantage point, I talked to my tax man for 10 minutes. He, I gave him my taxes. The next 45 minutes, we talked about what we're talking about right now. He was interested. I gave him three God of Wonders before I left because it made sense what I was talking to him about, even though he's not born again and uh, he does not know the Lord, but he wants to know what in the world is going on. And what I was talking to him about, I explained from a biblical perspective, and I had his attention. All right, let's close this up um, by saying, with Ephesians 4 and God of Wonders, why do this, Dwight? Why, why take the time to do it? Because you need to be equipped. How can you talk to people on an intelligent basis unless you do your own homework? I challenge you to be a Berean. All you have to do is go to your computer and talk to it and say, give me updates on the war between Ukraine and Russia. And it'll blow your mind, the things that have come up and the things that they talk about. That's where I got this information from, by just going online and asking these questions. And I would only go to people that I respect that are credible, like Epic Times and News, and, and they give you a whole different view of what's really happening right now. So I'll close with this. How late is it? Well, my friends, it's late. It's very late. And uh, what can we as a church do? Well, keep the main thing the main thing. This isn't to get sidetracked and talk about world events. But it is from a biblical perspective to encourage you to witness to your friends and family And Dave Hunt just knocks it out of the ballpark by presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ in one of the best presentations that I don't believe there's any better. So if you feel incompetent and maybe sharing with people or not knowledgeable enough to share the gospel, you just give them a God of wonders. And uh, it'll, it'll speak for itself. So with that, just be a Berean. Take what I said with a grain of salt and um, do your own homework.